Ladies and gentlemen, about Arizona was competitive <laughs> lost to BYU 24-16 in a game that I would say was that close especially in the fourth quarter um I feel like I could probably speak for a lot of Arizona fans if you disagree tell me Brett but not upset about what happened in Las Vegas yeah I think um I texted you after the game and or uh, towards the end of it it said is this the most uh meeting expectations game ever right where you know I don't think anybody necessarily truly thought that a win was likely, but we expected, you know, the team to be more disciplined, to be competitive, to show fight, to be, you know, playing as a team more in general and seeing maybe a, a, a moderate in, improvement in the talent level compared to last year with all the transfers in. Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw. <laughs> um, I think there were still some things that maybe were like a little bit surprising, but those were more like on the margins. You know, you saw Gunnar Cruz struggle at times but also show like some you know flashes of potential you saw some of the players you expected to do well do well um in general if if not like you know far exceeding expectations uh-huh. and i think most people if you said going into <laughs> you know in the fourth quarter being within one score and having a chance to make that game uh to win that game most arizona fans would take that as a really strong sign of progress for a byu team that you know we don't Nobody really knows if that team's average uh, or potentially good, because <laughs> um, they, they they were a very good team, you know, the last year or two. But they also yeah, they also lost, you know, a top pick in the draft. Yeah, quarterback. But no, like to your point, I think the I don't know what the expectation was. There was the hope, the reasonable hope that they'd go to this game with better coaching, and they looked like they were a better coached team with better game plans from that coaching. And the game plan looked great. The play calling, I thought, especially offensively, which is, I mean, but play calling too is one of those, like, when it works, you think, hey, great play call. When it doesn't work, you're like, that was a bad play. Like, they had a fourth down, I think, in the fourth quarter where they did the shotgun, they ran the ball with Wiley or, I forget it was Wiley or Anderson, picked up, like, five yards. That's a good play call at that time. They're expecting a pass. And, like, were there plays that didn't work? Absolutely. But I thought the game plan was sound. I didn't watch that game saying they messed up with timeouts. I thought they handled that well. And... The individual players, like, yeah, they, they got down in this game. They were down 21-3. to you know, They missed a field goal. <laughs> like, they had to struggle, and they came back. They fought back in this game and had a chance. They were down eight in the fourth quarter, and they kept pushing. And we haven't seen Arizona compete like that since the first game of last season. So just there is the, the low bar that was set for what we would appreciate in this game was competitiveness, and they, they were that. But just certain things, like you were mentioning some of the players, like I watched that game. We all watched that game, and – there's not reason to think that this team is better than everyone thought, but there's also, I think, reason to believe that they're not as bad as people thought going into this season. Yeah, on the play calling front, I actually think play calling got better as the game went along. Um, I think they maybe, I think Jed Fish even maybe commented he stuck to some of the scripted game plans to feel out his team a little bit. Yeah, and I and I rewatched the game, and it's like early on, it's like they're just kind of 
doing there there wasn't a lot of aggression um in general aside from some you know gutsy calls on like (laughs) going for it on your first fourth down at your own why not which yeah i love it. it's like you know freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose and like if we haven't won in 12 games well, I, I, did he say too it wasn't about like the stats or the numbers the analysts was like just a feel for the game like you have a 6 foot 5 quarterback out there and since you are putting him under center there's a better chance for just a quarterback sneak to pick up sure. a yard but he also, <laughs> he also knows the stats i'm quite sure oh yeah <laughs> but i'm just saying like and that's watching that game i never thought to myself how the coaching is not like I thought the coaching was excellent. I really did. Well, and you know, you know what? Situations like that where if it works, you're a genius. When it doesn't work, what are you doing? I, they seem to work. Well, you know what? You know where it showed up the most, and it, I noticed it during the game, and I noticed it even more at, when I I rewatched it. Where good coaching shows up isn't necessarily in like individual play calls or anything like that. You could see this Arizona team was much more playing together as a cohesive unit. You know, defenders, they weren't always in the right place at the right times. And a couple of times they were slow and like there was some, they were slow to get to the line on one play and that resulted in a touchdown that maybe they would have scored anyway when they were within the red zone. Was that the one where the guy stepped out of bounds clearly and the rest reviewed it and still (laughs) decide that it was a touchdown? (sighs) He was out of bounds. I thought that ball, was pretty but did the obvious. Ball cross the plane? No, not before he stepped out of bounds. Well, they probably would have scored anyway. Sure. But that was, I mean, well, yeah. but if you go if you go back and rewatch it though, you look at people that are there's not blown assignments. There's guys no. generally setting the edge and pushing BYU's ball carriers inward. Hausman got beat on that deep ball, but, but that's going to happen when the safety's not there at the top. That's just a great like if the blitz doesn't get there, yeah, and that can happen. And I don't want to put Hausman on blast, but like. When we talk about there's a talent upgrade that needs to happen, I think he has a lot of effort, but he's just not fast enough to cover but some guys. Even then, you look at all the things that happened, right? Arizona lost 24-16. to 16. Now, granted, they got within six, they got within eight late. They got a late field goal. They missed two field goals. Haversick oh. did not have a good game. Gunnar Cruz did the interception in the end zone where oh. they said, like, he saw the defense and, like, they did a good job disguising it. Okay, like, he's making his first career start, like, Quarterback-wise, I feel like Gunnar Cruz was actually better than I anticipated. He was accurate. Like There weren't too many balls where I'm like, where the hell was that going? Like He made a couple of bad reads, but I don't think he made really any bad throws. Now, bad reads are a problem because he had two passes that should have been picked off earlier in the game, at least one of them for sure, and then he had the one that was intercepted. But the accuracy was there. He was on the move. He was like he was running around. He was making those throws. And when he had time, which is going to be an issue with this offensive line probably, but just to me, his mistakes – were a product of inexperience. Yeah. Reading blitzes, you know, reading coverages, which in his first start, like it, it can't last all season. It can't last the rest of his career. But I think the good far outweighed the bad for him. And then defensively, Arizona was fine. Like BYU doesn't have this great offense, but like you were saying, they were in their position. They were hawking to the ball. Even though Gunnar Maldonado forced that fumble that happened to go out of bounds, there were like eight Wildcats there. Every time watching the replay, every time a guy caught a pass, there were three or four Wildcats swarming to the ball. Like, this was what they're supposed to look like. This They made too many mistakes. Not a lot of mistakes. Only, what, four penalties? And they had the one turnover that ended up being a turnover. They had a couple that could have been sure. But they made just enough mistakes to not be able to beat a decent team in what is essentially a road game. But they were competitive, and they gave reason. Jed Fish was optimistic after the game. He was optimistic in his press conference this week. I get it. I'm with him. Yeah. And that, I, to the defense, to me, uh, and Gunnar Cruz both got better as the game went along. Mm-hmm. Um Michael Wiley, too. Yeah. I, and, and Drake Anderson. And, like, and he was a nice compliment. And another, you know, subtle reflection of good coaching and that discipline I was talking about and playing as a team, like you talked about where there's like eight guys around there for the fumble had it come in bounds. 
how much better was just basic tackling compared mm-hmm. to Arizona defenses of the last few years? Like it's good tackling is almost like one of those things that like it, you get take it for granted when you have it until you don't have it and you go, oh boy, well tackling is terrible. I do remember thinking like I haven't seen them miss tackles. Like, there was something was like one I remember in the first half. I think Pandy missed it, but it's like a running back in the flat. That's a tough one. But yeah, they were there. They were making just fundamental football. A couple of pass breakups. Christian Wall lost. I don't trade. Stukes had one. Like those weren't. Those weren't penalties. <laughs> they were good defensive plays. Cornerbacks on an island, you're going to have to make those plays, and they did. Well, can, can we talk, uh, speaking of players that, you know, I was, I was listening to our, our show, uh, as I, I often do, to hear how dumb I sound sometimes. Very. And uh, just to hear how much I hate the sound of my own voice. And I, 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 did, I did recall. Keep listening, everyone. This is what you get <laughs> on Wildcat Radio 2.0. We appreciate it. Um, hey, they may love the sound of my voice. But I, they don't, I'm I, sure. But still, well, fair. They tolerate. Fair. Um, I did call out in the show, our last show, um, that I've been on the Trayvon Mason fan club, and mm. t- you know, talk about a guy who uh, not only like showed up in the stat sheet, but there was a couple of big plays that he, you know, as as a defensive lineman, when you're getting good defensive line play, they don't necessarily get the stats, but they allow the next guy to get the stats. Uh, and he, he was, got the stats. Well, he got, but he got the stats, and there were some other big, like the big plays for loss. He he helped drive that by disrupting the play. And in general, I thought the defensive line play was actually good overall. Um, the pass rush was lacking, but he also had a mobile quarterback. They were going, I guess. Yeah, and to be, and you know, I did not expect I, the. I think most people watching it live, and I'm, I count myself in this, were kind of surprised that Arizona didn't seem that aggressive in terms of manufacturing pressure. But in rewatching, and I think like Michael Lev talked about it in his column, where there was a lot more delayed kind of uh, blitzes. And also an experienced offensive line. Well, and, and, <laughs> well, and, and uh, so like that shows up in a different way. And then also BYU did a lot of things, and they they were fortunate in some of their play calls when they would roll out their mobile quarterback that – on a delay, like there was kind of a cat and mouse game in terms mm-hmm. of what they were doing. I think I think BYU bluntly expected more aggressive plays, and then there was kind of some countering of, of some of those tactics. So, you know, in terms of the defense, I actually feel pretty darn good about it. Um, especially, I Traden Stukes looked great. I w- I would like to see him get some more stats. I thought Jaden Young looked great, but I also thought, oh boy, I can't wait till he has twenty more pounds of muscle on him right now <laughs> because he's basically a, a you know, a, a walk-on freshman corner-sized body playing a safety spot. Yeah. But, the, boy, there's there's some potential there. The important thing to remember is BYU is probably not the best team Arizona's going to play this season. No. I don't know where they fall. They're probably better than some of the teams, not as good as most of the teams. Again, BYU, for re- reasons we talked about, hey, maybe Arizona has a chance. BYU, brand-new quarterback. They're replacing a ton of production from what they had. But what they did have was size and experience at certain positions, especially along the offensive and defensive line. And... What Arizona did was I mean, they got down this game. They never led, but they certainly made it interesting by making plays. And there was that time when Sharon Mason disrupted. They got the safety. Then Cunningham has that great return, leads to a touchdown. It's like, oh, we have a one-score game here. And one thing watching that game, like I think you kind of touched on a little bit defensively too, was that Arizona's athletes were making plays. And maybe that's the difference between like a Pac-12 school and BYU. I don't know. But guys like Tavian Cunningham, Stanley Berryhill, they were running around BYU's defenders oh, getting the yards after catch. They were, it's like you're watching, like, wow, that's an athletic team. Now, again, BYU's not on the level of, say, a USC or what UCLA looks like they're going to be this season or an ASU, for example. But Arizona was not outclassed in this game. And last season, save for 
I mean, it's hard because they got beat up by the end of the season. But how many times can we say they belonged on the field last season? Not especially not the last game of the year. You know, maybe the one before that I think was Colorado, which was competitive for a little bit with Will Plummer starting. But Arizona belonged. Arizona had a chance, and Arizona kept fighting. Even the onside kick at the end of the game, Haversick, it wasn't a bad onside kick. I know they called an offsides on Pandy. Not sure if he was offsides at all. But they called it, and it took a good bounce. Like that's Were they going to win that game if they recovered that onside kick? Still probably not, because there's a lot that has to happen. But they made you think that they had a chance. And that's something that I think Arizona fans missed. It's what Arizona fan base needs. And at some point, yeah, you want to win games. But for the beginning of the Jed Fish era, it was everything it was supposed to be. Better coached, better game plan, better effort, and a better Arizona Wildcats. Well, and I would even say all of a lot of that falls under better culture that we talked about a lot during the offseason. Um, you know, Jed Fish came in after a loss, and he said he was disappointed in himself, but he was very, you know, effusive in his praise of the team and their effort. And basically, you know, I think uh, Justin Spears, uh, friend of the friend of the pod and from the Arizona Daily Star, called him Jed Lasso. Because, <laughs> uh, and I think Michael Love was talking about one of their post game shows, and he's like, he, you can see, or in their podcast, you know, saying that. Jed- well, I mean, to be fair, I had a Ted Lasso reference in my last AZ Desert Swarm column. Well, fair, you know, but you, I, great I minds think alike is what I I'm getting at. I don't always read your columns, Adam. Why would I do such a thing? <laughs> Missing out, man. They're good. Um, but you can see it, in Je- and Jed Fish talked about it, right, where he's like, everybody on the team's like, we're going to get this onside kick. And you can see that in the effort. You can see that in the culture they're building. And, you know, not to jump ahead to a preview, I'm calling it now. I think they're going to beat San Diego State, and I think it's gonna they're going to win by two scores. Well, all right. Well, thanks for listening to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Make sure you're following us on, you know, since we just <laughs> jumped ahead to the rest. No, I, but that that's how you should feel after the first game. Now, granted, we felt kind of similarly, I think, after the first game last season. That's point because Arizona was competitive against USC. They were a Christian Roland Wallace better time jump away from beating USC in the first game of the season. But that, but that was that was if you look at the the deeper stats, that was oh, more was, of a fluke. Sure, but it, <laughs> but it was there, right? And like, that's a, the question, Arizona outgained BYU. And they it, had more first downs than BYU. But that is the question: is whether or not what we saw against BYU is that a fluke or not? And you know what, Brett? Let's take a break and we come back. Let's talk about the Arizona Wildcats and. Are the positives, are they repeatable, or is this a repeat of the USC game last season? After the break. Welcome back, Wildcat Radio 2.0, second segment here, and we're all excited about Arizona being competitive against BOIU. 24-16 was the final of one-score game. It was Arizona's first time being within one score since week one of 2020, and we all know how that season turned out. Arizona had lost a close one to USC. And before we break all the whole... Arizona's better. Everything's fine. Like, look at them go. It's like, maybe we need to take a step back. Because, again, they've been here before in week one of a season that did not go well. So, Brett, as we go into this, the question is, was Arizona's competitive effort against BYU a mirage? Not saying, like, they're going to be really good. Again, they lost the game. (laughs) But should we look at that game in Las Vegas and say, yeah, they can build off of that. That's who Arizona can be. Or was it more of a fluky flash in the pan? I, I like the question, Adam, and I, the way I kind of organize it in my head is, like, who performed really well and we think you can maintain that? Who did okay and is that going to go better or worse? And then who maybe underperformed and can they get better or is that just who they are? Right? All right, makes sense. You know, one of the things that was most promising to me, you know, I, I, I think I texted you during the game and I think we all had this concern uh, with the roster in general that I don't know if there's a star player on this team. And it's sometimes hard to beat a good team without 
a star or two. Um, but you know who, in rewatching the game, and even when I was out of the emotion of following play by play and actually rewatching and knowing what the outcome was, man, Stanley Berryhill looked like the closest thing to a star on the Arizona mm-hmm. roster in that game. And in, in rewatching it, you know, it. I think that's attainable as a repeatable thing for him because it wasn't fluke. It was athleticism. It was he had like an edge to him. He was very elusive. It was a quickness. And he had speed. a really good training camp too. Everybody was praising what exactly. he's why he's wearing number one this season because he had a really good camp. Yeah, and that and that gives me hope that that is sustainable for him. I don't know if he's going to have 114 yards every game, right? Um, but I think that. If there's somebody that I'm looking at on that roster that can that can be that star, I think that's I think that's maybe him. I think the defensive line played well, and I think that's sustainable, and maybe even can get a little bit better. But I think what we saw from them is kind of the the repeatable quality. Like that's going to be the standard, more and if, or less. I, and I think if they can do that, you can win a lot of games with that defensive line playing that that like not super well, but good enough. Right. The linebackers stepped up, too. Like, Pandy had a good game. Treshawn Howard was fine. Rashid Hodges was big on the safety. Like, he was he all over great. the place. So, <laughs> Kenny Bear, he almost had a sack on the one. that. Uh, yeah. So, I, I agree with you. Stanley Berryhill looked like a star in that game. I do think Jamari Joyner, when he comes back, if he's healthy, has star potential. He has the size and the speed and the strength, but he hasn't shown it yet. Well, it's I, potential. you got to be wary when he's coming back from an injury. For sure, for sure. But I do think, and... I think when it comes to Barry Hill and guys like Jamari Joyner and whoever else, it comes down to that quarterback when Gunnar Cruz, right? And watching that game, he was able to get receivers involved. He got them the ball, but that's a lot of play calling too. But getting them the ball in space, because a lot of this was yards after catch for Barry Hill. I forget what the number was, but he had a ton of yards after catch in this game, more than he usually has. Cunningham, same thing. Michael Wiley got the ball in position where he could get some yards after catch, some of those yak yards. Castile's touchdown was a yards after catch. Oh, one. that looked great. And like that's play design. It's the quarterback getting the ball, but that's the other thing. Like Gunnar Cruz set out an Arizona freshman like first start record, I think for that's lasted for like thirty years, forty years, with three hundred thirty six yards passing in this game. In his second half, he was really good. He was accurate. He was spreading the ball around. He was making good decisions, other than the interception. And if he can play like that, then yeah, these receivers have a chance. Like these receivers were pretty good last season. They just couldn't complete passes. You know, Gunnell never had time to throw. And then when Will Plummer was in, he was just overmatched. He wasn't ready to spread the ball around. Arizona threw the ball 45 times in this game. And <laughs> they tried to throw it even more than that. You know, Cruz got sacked a couple of times and had to run out of bounds or run with the ball a few times too. So if he can be that effective, that efficient completing passes, then yeah, these receivers who can be playmakers will be. So I think that is absolutely repeatable so long as Gunnar Cruz can be somewhat close to what he was against BYU. Yeah. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up Gunnar Cruz because that's where I was th- thinking to go next. I think... He played well enough to win with, and for his first ever career start, you know, there's going to be some mistakes. The interception is, is the obvious one. Actually, it was a good throw. The well, safety's not there. As right. Well, yeah. But, that, but that's how it goes. Like, yeah, it, but, like, there was also missed, you know, Jed Fish, what, estimated there was 150 yards of well, he on the didn't see the field. field pro- I mean, missed Bryce Wilma a couple of times. There was one where he almost threw an interception where Wilma was going, I think it was a corner route, was wide open. Yeah, you know. but in literally your first start ever, and how many passes did he throw at WSU? Like a handful. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, I think his performance is repeatable. I, I'm a, a little concerned um, against a more elite defense if the turnovers go up with him and not down, or he gets even more gun shy on on threatening deep. But I think if you start to see the field better, you can mitigate some of those things. 
Uh, but a, a lot of his success for the thing, you know, a position group that I thought played okay, um, that I'm a little more wary of, is the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, and I say this especially knowing that, like, Donovan Lai got kind of dinged up and was playing hurt. Jordan Morgan. He'd been moved over because Jordan Morgan didn't play. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Morgan's, um, you know, if he was back and there's that adds a little more depth. Josh Baker played probably, I, I don't know if he played nearly that much last year, if at all. Um, you know, actually, one of the guys that I noticed on the line that seemed very uh, involved, you know, both both in plays and, and also just like emotionally, like in terms of, you know, on the sideline or in the huddle, Josh Donovan looked like a much better oh, player. Yeah. Um, and that gives me some uh, some hope. Peyton Fears still struggled with a speed rush. Uh, I did notice on the re- replay of watching it. It was one of the sacks that he just went right around Fears. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I think it was a third down. Like, and the, card guy, the commentator's like, you have to know that they're going to be bringing the pressure here. And the rest was like, they didn't bring pressure. They rushed four. Yeah. The, the guy went around the right tackle. Just. Well, my, my, favorite, my favorite play on the rewatch that I didn't notice live was when they had Peyton Fears line up with the receivers and trips right for one of those swing passes. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't notice it live. And also there was a linebacker that moved out to cover with them, and he definitely whiffed completely on blocking their <laughs> linebacker. Um, but because but, uh, I remember I on the rewatch, I'm like, why is he like running out of the huddle there? I'm like, where is he going? I'm like, oh, there's a 330-pound guy lined up next to uh, Tavian Cunningham or something. Trying to hide him, maybe. Um, so that that gives me some concern. Um, but I also think one thing I expected more of that didn't happen, not only in terms of tight ends being seen in their routes, I think there's an ability for the you know the coaching staff to maybe do some quick chips to give Peyton Fears some support and on, on speed rushes, even if you just deflect the defender for a half second before starting your route, that can be the difference between getting the ball out or not. Well, especially if Cruz is going to find them in the, when they're out and running their patterns anyway, they might as well help out blocking. Yeah. But, and, but that's experience, right? Yeah. And that's also, too, we have to remember, this was Jed Fish's first time calling a game with this team. And kind of now they have film. They know what they're looking at. And granted, every defense is going to be different. They're going to face better defenses than BYU. But some of those things they went in, and you mentioned how they got better in the second half. Like, that's coaching, right? That's mm-hmm. identifying things and understanding that, okay, this is what we need to do. And guys were open. And that's the thing that I look at and say, Arizona may not have superstars all over the field, but receivers were open. Tight ends were open. Now, maybe that's just a lapse in BYU's defense. Like, that's possible. They're running a different defense that Arizona could take advantage of. And just kind of Cruz wasn't experienced enough to really take advantage of it. But guys were doing what they needed to do to make plays. Because like, all those times Bryce Holmes was open for possible touchdowns, likely touchdowns, like that's play calling and a player being in, doing everything they can. You yeah. know, and that's up to the quarterback to make that read. And I do believe, I don't, I don't know how long it takes for a quarterback to really get comfortable in a brand new system and just the live fire of college football games. But if Gunnar Cruz can slowly improve, and I know everyone's excited about the quarterbacks coming in next year, you know, Mr. Fafita, and that's great. But Gunnar Cruz, he has the look of a quarterback. Like when Will Plummer came in the game, like, okay, let's see what Will Plummer can do. He didn't look the same. Gunnar Cruz, even when he wasn't lighting things up, like, you look like that's a quarterback. You know, he has the arm. He has the size. And he was moving the ball. He was scrambling well. He was generally making – he made a few bad decisions. I don't, I'm not even going to say, like, well, okay, the interception was a bad decision because he misread the defense, but that's what it was. Yeah. It was like he was trying to force the ball into coverage. He didn't see the coverage. Just like he didn't see the tight ends open sometimes. He didn't see Stanley Berryhill in the corner that one time. He didn't get, the ball, get rid of the ball soon enough. Like, those are things that should be fixable with experience. And if they are fixed with experience, and you think every single game he plays, every snap he takes, he's going to get a little better, a little better, then what can Gunnar Cruz become? Because if he can get to that next level, if he can become, if he can get more comfortable and be 
Not, I don't know what – I mean, he was a decent prospect. There's no reason to think he can't be a good quarterback in this system. But if he can get to that level, then everything else – Michael Wiley was better in the second half. It didn't hurt that Gunnar Cruz in the passing game got going. You know, Drake Anderson was really good out of the backfield for them. It didn't hurt that Gunnar Cruz got going. And the receivers getting the ball in space, a chance to make plays. Offensively, I think it is repeatable, so long as Gunnar Cruz continues to play at that level and slightly better. When Gunnar Cruz, for a guy making his first start, even when he was scrambling – you know, he's not a mobile quarterback, but he didn't look panicked. No, and his head was still looking down the field. He, you know, he didn't look rattled. He didn't, even when he got, you know, some, he, you know, maybe there are some things where he needs to get the ball out quicker and have a hot route identified. But again, that's experience, right? Mm-hmm. And I think another, I mentioned a couple of guys that looked pretty good. I thought Drake Anderson, when he came in, was an awesome change of pace. You know, speaking of repeatable, Drake Anderson's speed and his, he has some patience. He makes a cut and goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a, he's he looks he looks small out there, but he's he's clearly a tough little sob, um, and I think that kind of player, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be an, a fantastic uh, you know uh, piece to the, to be a threat offensively. One thing that was a little bit disappointing for me, and part of it was the score and like falling behind early. I you, you're not going to win games if you're in college only getting four something yards a carry, which I think both Wiley and, and Drake Anderson did. Um, and some of that's on the O line, and that makes me that's where it kind of goes back to my one concern. But I think some of that can also be you know play calling or a little bit creative with it. And and to be fair, a lot of the swing passes are essentially a you know a yeah, long like running play. It's so essentially a long lateral those dump offs. The running backs were plenty involved in this game and making plays and. You, just, you don't necessarily have to run for six yards of carry. We kind of got spoiled with Arizona under Rich Rodriguez and when Khalil no. Tate was quarterback. Like, those rushing numbers were a bit inflated. When you have a quarterback who runs like that, opens things up for the running backs, too. Like, you yeah. don't have to run for six yards of carry to be effective. And Arizona, they outgained BYU in this game yardage-wise. They just didn't score points. They scored, <laughs> you know, they scored 16 points in this game. Now, granted, they missed two field goals. And they had another drive. Like they got, they had chances. They moved the ball. You just got to learn how to finish, and that should come with experience. And that's a combination of experience for the players and the coaching staff too, calling the right plays defensively. I do agree with you too. The defensive line, I think that's repeatable. I think the linebackers, there's experience there, so it's not like they, it's not like they have a lot to learn other than just like this system. But I think the linebackers find the secondary is still going to be a work in progress. The talent just isn't there overall across the board. They got two really good corners. Rutherford, I don't remember hearing his name called. I don't think they were thrown at him. And Christian Roland Wallace made, like, I think they, he had a pass they, breakup and a they tackle. Were, they were picking on Malik Hausman yeah, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> which is what you would do. You'd pick on the third corner. And even then, like, Hausman, like, it wasn't brutal. You know, they weren't – Darren Hall no. wasn't throwing all over the secondary. There were a couple open receivers here and there. There was one where a guy slipped on the third down, I think. That's going to happen. Doesn't mean the one deep ball, you know, he got beat and it was a perfect throw. Like, that happens. Whereas the one where Arizona threw the interception, the safety disguised the coverage and was there, and the quarterback didn't notice. Arizona did not have the safety over the top there. I think he was in the wrong place. Quarterback Noah put the ball right on the money, get a 67-yard touchdown. If Arizona gives up 24 points a game, they're going to win some games this season. Like Their offense should be good enough to score 25 points a game most times. The question is, can this defense hold? And again, BYU is probably not the best offense they're going to see. In fact, I'd say BYU's defense is probably okay. Their offense is eh. With a new quarterback there, it's trying to open things up too. But the game plan against them was solid, keeping the tight ends out of it. You know, which is their big thing. And that's where the coaching, I think, can do a lot to make up for the lack of talent. And that, I also think, is repeatable. This is a good coaching staff that will put this team in position to be the best versions of themselves. Like, the talent may not be there, but they're not going to be hung out to dry by a coaching staff that's not going to put them in position to succeed. Yeah, I think the defensive performance is repeatable. One thing, though, that shouldn't be repeated 
and was maybe a surprise to us, though, was no turnovers from a Don Brown defense and only, what, one sack? See, they dropped a snap that they recovered. There was, like, Maldonado had that hit, that fumble goes straight up in the yeah. air and goes out of bounds. There was, I think there was a throw in the fourth quarter that got batted up in the air, and we had, a, like, Arizona had a player, like, a half a step or two steps behind. Like, they were so cl- I want to say they were so close to, pos- like, to getting turnovers. It wasn't like there was a fumble that they almost fell and squirted away or a pass they almost intercepted and went off their fingertips, but... I think BYU is also the type of thing that doesn't put the ball in danger too much. No. Like they, that's that's kind of their thing. They play a more MO. conservative style with a running quarterback who, when there was pressure on him, he got sacked once. It wasn't like there wasn't pressure. It wasn't like they didn't get any hits on him. But he was just good at getting rid of the ball or just moving out of the way. That's But that's also on the coordinator to put the defense in a – like have the game yeah. plan to make it work. And again, BYU scored 24 points. Yeah. Like it wasn't like they lit up Arizona's defense. Well, yeah, do you know – I mean – if I had told you that Arizona would force zero turnovers, would you have ever expected they only gave up 24 points and were within one score of winning that game? Yeah, right. Like, you know, nobody would have believed that. And that's a testament to the defense. You know, I think we all expected more boomer bust from the first year in a Don Brown system with, shall we say, unknown quantities and, and uh, of talent and quality of talent. Um, so, I, you know, I, I do think if Arizona's going to win some games, they need to – you're not going to win a lot of games if you're not going to force a turnover. You know, you can argue that a safety is kind of a turnover. But you can't lose a turnover battle. Yeah. How about that? If it was a 0-0 turnover game, Arizona, it's a different story. Yeah. It, I mean, aside from the score, the best predictor of football game victory outcomes is the turnover battle. Aside right? from the score, yeah. No, a score is – but score is – Usually the, usually the score is – Pretty far ahead of turnovers in terms of predicting who's going to win the game or who, who won the game. But I know what you're saying, yes. I yeah. mean – it is it is but, a countable Arizona, stat. And we look at like Arizona, how many points did they leave on the board just by not seeing the tight ends that were open for touchdowns, right? They missed two field goals. I think one was like a forty something yarder that was close, but six points in field goals. One was a chip shot. Yeah. You know, the first one. And then an interception in the end zone, which may not have ended up being a touchdown. And I forget if they would have gone for the field goal at that time. I think they would have. I think it was would have brought it within I don't know. But there's points they left on the board, in part because they just didn't see guys, and in part because they just made bad plays. They well, missed they, those plays. They can't do that to beat good teams. But if you say you take those nine points, I mean, everything's different, right? If the field goals aren't made, everything's different. But the, you could argue that's nine points. The, the interception would have been a field goal range if they get that. And the other two field goals, nine points, Arizona wins the game. Like, that's the difference sometimes. And when you're Arizona, like, don't make those mistakes, win some football games, especially against decent teams. Now, maybe they're really good teams. So they'll have to do more than just play clean football. They'll have to play really good football. But, like, a team like they're playing this week against San Diego State, they're not a great team. You know, so Arizona doesn't have to play that type of game. They don't have to play great to beat. They just can't play. They can't have the turnovers like they did. Like I said, turnovers, yeah. turnover. They had one. Yeah, but that you know, in rewatching that game too, I was also like, oh man, you there. There was so much momentum in Arizona's favor, mm-hmm. and they were moving the ball the best they had all night. Second half, they were moving up and, and down it was, the field. After the safety, they were just moving the ball. A, at will. And it was a first down, and like I, 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 I like them being aggressive, but both. That, but I'll even say that the next step to that is that turnover in the end zone with, what, five minutes left or so, um, that could have killed all of the mo- you know momentum and culture. But like like Jed Fisher saying, they thought they were going to get the ball. And I think you kind of led into what I was going to say is, you know, leading into the San Diego State game, I'm not saying you know, Arizona's not a good enough team to beat great teams by, you know, playing their game. But I think if you're looking ahead at that game, if they – if they execute their game plan and play to the best of their abilities, that's what they fo- need to focus on more than necessarily game planning anything around San Diego State. Yeah, and speaking of San Diego State, we'll get into that game against the Aztecs. It's Arizona's second game of the year, the home opener, right out of this break.
Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. One segment left here. We're going to talk about Arizona's next game. San Diego State comes to Tucson for the home opener of the Jed Fish era. And we're recording this on Wednesday, the 8th. Yeah, it's the 8th. And as of t- this recording, Arizona's favored to win this game. Last I saw, the spread actually increased to like two, two and a half. Yeah. So that should, t- I mean, that should tell you a lot right now. Arizona's on this historic losing streak, and they haven't won a game yet this season, and they're favored to win. Well, how much of that is because they got five votes in the, in the, in the <laughs> ranking poll this week on accident? You know what? Jed Fish, we all had pretty high expectations at some point, but he's exceeded them. He got them, like, he got them a vote after I mean, one week. Like, is, that's... is Jed Fish's mom a, an AP voter? <laughs> <laughs> but they're playing San Diego State, and a lot of when people talk about this long losing streak, what is it at now? 13 games, I think, for Arizona. It's the longest in, is it 13 or is it 14? Did it get to 13? It's 13 now. It's 13? Okay, good. I don't want to give them another loss because I'm going to get one this weekend. But with this whole losing streak, what people forget is, like, there hasn't been an NAU to break things up. There wasn't a Hawaii at the beginning of last season. Like, they've played basically this losing streak is all Pac-12 teams. Most of them were better than Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you could say in 2019 they probably shouldn't have lost to Oregon State at home on homecoming. Other than that, they probably lost to teams that were all better than them. Last season, they are probably better than UCLA if Gunnell doesn't get hurt, but he did in or, the first play Or better of the than game. Colorado if Gunnell yeah. doesn't get hurt. Right. So, like, the games they've lost are games where you're like, you know what it reminds me of is the end of the Mike Stoops era when they were like 7-1, and one, lost five straight to end of the season or six straight to end of the season, then beat like NAU to start the next one and then lost the next five or whatever because they were playing the same teams, the same really good teams. Like, yeah, of those games that you lost, you probably made a, maybe should have won one of them. Like, but Arizona now gets a chance. San Diego State is not a particularly good team. There's a reason why Arizona's favored. And my point is like this is a game where if Vegas thinks Arizona should win, Arizona should win. And there's been a game like that in a year and a half. Yeah, and I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if anyone, or maybe this is just me making you and I feel better about our lack of San Diego State Aztec knowledge, um, knows exactly, you know, how good or bad San Diego State is. They played New Mexico State and beat them, I think, 28 to 10 last week. Uh, but there's there's one thing we know, it's it's they're, they're going to try to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Their quarterback, I think, was 7 of 20 for 115 yards, and... He had one receiver with two catches and 63 of those 115 yards. So basically there was That's efficient. There was basically one one or two big plays on on the passing game and then they they ran the ball a lot and Kobe Smith had or not Kobe Smith, Greg Bell had 161 yards on 21 carries. So it's it's not going to be a secret what they're trying to do. Um <laughs> play gonna, defense and run the ball. Yeah, they're going to they're going to they they forced some turnovers against New Mexico State, but you know, how good is New Mexico State? Probably not great. I feel like Vegas knows quite a bit. And that's why I'm not a San Diego State expert. And obviously, how good is Arizona? We don't know. But there's a reason why people, like anyone who watched an Arizona game, would say, hey, they, they belonged on the field against BYU. They played hard. They could be the coaching is much better. And then Arizona's at home. There's going to be some energy there. It was basically a road game in Vegas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Arizona competed. They fought back. And they showed you enough to say, you know what, they should be able to beat a team that's as one-dimensional offensively as San Diego State wants to be. Like, that's it, right? Like if, and you think the Don Brown defense will be just like they took the BYU tight ends out of the game. If they really want to focus on their run and make the beat you with a pass, Arizona can do that. Yeah, I'm actually really curious to watch the matchup of Don Brown's defense against the San Diego State offense. If you're going to try to dare them to pass the ball but also still put pressure on a you know quarterback that at least through one game doesn't doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in terms of their passing ability – 
Oh boy, you know that could get that could get fun. You could have uh, you know put put your corners that you feel pretty good about, at least at your starters, on an island, and then and then turn guys loose. And maybe you know Don Brown before the BYU game says they know we're going to be coming over the wall. And I'm not sure if it was they were coming over the wall, but it was in a couple of waves because there was like the a lot of delayed blitz. Too, and... Yeah, um, I would not be surprised. First home game against a a run first team if there's not a lot of uh, you know. I think of my Madden franchise. There might be a number of engage eight type of blitzes. <laughs> it's just like over and just stack the box and and try to disguise a few things. But there, I have a feeling the the ears are going to get pinned back, pinned back on the the front. You know, well, the, the run process. blitzes will be there for sure. Oh, they're Treshawn Howard. I'm going to guess is going to you know he's he's not the best in coverage, but he's in there on all the plays and he's a he's a he's a productive tackler. Like if in basketball, there's just guys that are aren't necessarily great shooters, but they're a scorer. He's not necessarily a great all-around linebacker, but he's a tackler, mm-hmm. right? Fun fact about this game, the last time Arizona played San Diego State, it was the debut for one John Makovic as Arizona's head coach. Arizona won that game 23-10 to back in August 30th, 2001. And everything went smoothly thereafter. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, all these beginnings for new coaches, I guess you could argue maybe. God. <laughs> so, so you're saying perhaps... Winning or losing your first game as a coach is not as important as the the long term. Well, I'm trying to think because I know the like Kevin Sullivan lost his his home opener the opener against BYU yeah. that was at home. Now Jed Fish lost his opener, but not the home opener, but it was against BYU. I think Richrod won his opener. His home opener, I forget who it was. It was over not a great team, and it was close. I remember that. Um, Mike like, Stoops, I don't remember if he won his opener. Is it but like anyway, Toledo or something. It first? was like Toledo. They, they beat him like by a touchdown or something yeah. late. It was not pretty. Of course, that team went and made a bowl game, so the season overall was fairly pretty. I think there was a – isn't there a stud receiver that was on that – like that has been a great NFL career that was on that Toledo roster? I think so. And I think it's or, like a big-name guy, and I'm yeah. blanking on it right now. But you look at this game, and I think part of the reason, like we usually try to get a guest on to talk about the opponent, you know, because we don't know San Diego State. But it's also because usually the opponent, it's – usually the game is more about – like it matters more about the opponent, right? I, I look at this game and think it's more about what Arizona does. Like, if Arizona plays slightly better than they did against BYU, they win this game. Like I think they're a more talented team, but that's based on the fact that I think they're more talented than we saw last season. Now there's new coaching, better coaching, and it's what we saw last week. Like, they have a competent quarterback, a very competent defense, good running backs, and a bevy of receivers. Like, Jeremiah Joyner might play. I know they were talking, like, he's been healing a lot faster, and he he's a game-changer for them offense. You know, how much he would play, how many snaps he would get, how he fits in, because none of the receivers are bad. I guess Booby Curry had a drop. That wasn't great. But, like, they have receivers. Like, Arizona has an offense that moved the ball well. They just got to learn how to finish those drives. And that'll come with growth. That'll come with more reps, more snaps, more practices. And the defense, I don't expect to take a step back, not against an offense that's pretty one-dimensional. Yeah, I, ex- I expect the defense to take a big step forward. I think, to your point, if you see marginal improvements of the very correctable issues, like Grant Cannell reads and throw into the tight end once in a while. Not that, Grant Cannell, though. Or, oh, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Gunnar Cruz. Poor Grant Cannell. He's actually out for the season, had surgery. I don't know what his injury was, but good luck to him over at Memphis. That sucks. Yeah. Um, you know, if he if he makes a couple of those reads and doesn't throw an interception in the touchdown, if he's a game manager with a little bit of, uh, you know, trusting the talent around in him. In this game especially, it seems yeah. like that should work. And I would expect Don Brown's defense and just the scheme and the they're going to feed off the energy of a of a crowd. I you know, I'm going to I intend to be there. I intend to be loud. Um I think like I said, I think if Arizona plays 
even as well as they did against BYU, even with just some minor improvements, I think they not only win, I think they win fairly comfortably. And then I think they're set up to set the tone for this. Like BYU earned some respectability in terms of their competitiveness. I think they can set the tone for the rest of their season with this game. And if they if they perform well, you know, we assume that they're going to beat NAU. And then, they then, better. And even if they lose this game, they better beat NAU. And I'll, and I'll do. A, I'll, I'll give you a hot take. Even after losing to BYU, Adam, I think Arizona's winning four games this year. So, which means they're winning a couple of Pac-12 games. Which means Mr. Ronald Stoffel, if you will, in a, oh, it's a four-pack, right? I mean, a six-pack. I'm speaking. Beer. I'm speaking it into existence. That's a good thing to speak into existence. But and also, and also, I say that with more confidence, having seen how bad the Pac-12 North has looked. <laughs> I was at the first half of that Washington-Montana game, and I was like, "Oh boy, this is going to go badly." Or maybe Montana's really good. <sighs> Probably not. They Montana didn't have a completion for like. The first half. Hey, Arizona won a game against ASU without having a completion in the entire second half. Sure, but that's ASU. And <laughs> but but that, uh, this all comes back to, again, we've seen one game of Arizona under Jed Fish. We can't be totally sure of how good they are or what they're going to be. But based on that game, if they just play at that level, they're going to be at home against San Diego State. That's a winnable game. And it's their first truly winnable game in a long time. And again, like games like, when was the last time they were favored to win? Like, I don't even know. It's been, it certainly wasn't any game last season. And I don't remember when it would have been the season before. Maybe the Oregon State game at home, but at, by then they'd already lost a couple. Were they favored to beat Colorado Pro- when their last win? Probably. Because like, they usually win. They usually beat Colorado. Like that, It's been a long time since they've been favored, and that's part of this whole losing streak. Like If you lose every game you're supposed to lose and win the games you're supposed to win, well, Arizona hasn't any games they're supposed to win. Yeah. Now, you'd like to pull an upset. And again, they were close against USC last season. They probably could have beat UCLA or Colorado if they had their quarterback in those games. But... This is the first time, because they were supposed to, they were about two touchdown dogs to BYU even. <laughs> well, like, what, 11 or 12? Well, 12 yeah, well, two touchdowns, 12 points. Oh, we're not counting extra points. Did you see Arizona's kicking? Can you? Touche, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's the point. Like, again, you need to win some of those games, but if you're Jed Fish, you need to win the games that you're supposed to win. Now, Grant's only like a two-point spread, two-and-a-half, I think is what the line was most recently. That's not a blowout. They're not expecting you to dominate San Diego State. But then, and Granby got three for being at home. But like you're supposed to win this game. Yeah, that's the point. And if you do win this game, you're one and one. You get that monkey off your back. You're the first one of the Jetfish era. You end the losing streak. That talk is over, and you set yourself up to be two and one after beating NAU, which that leads into a Pac-12 season. That who knows? But you start to feel better. All this confidence, all this belief that you have. Like yeah, the off season, the coaching's better, the talent's better. You know, the vibe, the energy, everything's there. There's gonna be a better team. At some point, you start winning games. You know, and this is a perfect opportunity to begin that because you're not going to win a ton of Pac-12 games. But if you win this game and you win the next one, you set yourself up for, hey, this doesn't have to be a disaster of a season. It's not going to be last year. It's not going to be the year before that. You're going to be competitive and you're going to steal some victories. But it's, it starts this weekend. It's this is like I said, this is the tone setting game. And Jed Fish for a long time has said not been saying <laughs> that they're going to be, you know, winning all these games. Some of the players think they're going to, you know, and, and good on them for thinking they're going to win. They're going to compete and win every game and yeah. kind of want that mentality um but well, you did, think they win this game though i yeah well i'm not gonna ask for score predictions I, oh, I, i'll, give, I'll, you t- a, I'll oh, give you a score like i'm gonna give him for az desert storm and i don't have it in my head yet but i think arizona's gonna win the game i think so well uh, let me finish my point that jed fish said he you know his stated goal for the season he wanted to be everybody's tough out and i think starting with byu he's at least proven to be a tough out against a team that is one for one and, you know, BYU may be an average team, maybe an above-average team. I don't think they're a bad team. No, I don't think so either. I think they're um, solid. Well-coached, experienced. And, and essentially a road game for Arizona to be within one score. Like, 
if that game was in Tucson, it, you know, they might it might have impacted the score. I don't know if they win or not. Um, in terms of this game, I, th- I think they played well enough that they still have the, you know, the Jed Lasso slap in the believe sign over the locker room door. And I think at home, I think there's going to be a reasonably good crowd. Jed Fish is trying his damnedest to get people to show up. Um, and if you get push push 50,000 people for a home opener, for the opener of the Jed Fish era, I think they're going to come out and win and win somewhat comfortably. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say 27-17. Wow. That, wow, a double-digit win. I mean, just a win in general at this point would be – I, mean, I can't go to the game. My wife and I are going to go see Hamilton – Saturday afternoon. And Strong flex, bro. It just you know it just precludes us from. I'd like to be in the room where it happens in Tucson. I see what you. I see what you did there. You know, can't throw away my shot to see the show. So, stop, so hopefully, stop, stop workshopping your next column, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> next week, though, you'll tell me the story of tonight. Tonight being Saturday when Arizona plays. You know, beats San Diego State. I agree. I think Arizona wins this game. I think the offense probably does a little better. Even I'm going to put him at 31 to. Let's say 31 20. I think that's okay. I think that'd be oh, fun. Oh, you're giving you're even beating my spread on that. Yeah, yeah. Look at you, one up in me. Now I got now I got I got to work I have to work my way back from that score into my thing on AZ Desert Storm. So I'm to give my that now I, you made me do it. 31-20. I don't even like that score, but that's what I went with. That was the first thing that went to my head. I mean, it's not the most unreasonable score prediction in terms of mathematical possibility. No, it, it's a football score. Also, Arizona had five points at one time in their game against BYU. So what do I know? But hopefully. <laughs> One of our scores or something close to it, as long as Arizona wins the game, I know we'll be happy, and we'll talk about that game next week, of course, and leading into the NAU game. We'll probably get someone on to talk about NAU. Why not? It's an in-state battle, in-state rivalry, you know. It's the first step towards claiming superiority in the state if you beat NAU. I think that's how it works. Sure. <laughs> Make sure you find us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ is the handle. There's a lot of stuff going on during the games, and, of course, we want you to make sure you are subscribing to us. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get those podcasts. Rate us, subscribe. You know, if you do give us a rating and a review, we will read that review live on the show. Good or bad, we will read it because we are thirsty for reviews. <laughs> Validate us. <laughs> <laughs> or or hate us, I don't know. Yeah, either way, it doesn't matter. Either way, you're still listening, you're still interacting with us, and it makes for fun. Yeah, fun we appreciate time. that. So Once again, thanks for listening. We'll talk about the San Diego State win, hopefully, next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.